welcome to another episode of Have a Nice Apocalypse. It's the series, podcast series, in which we discuss the works of Richard Kelly, uh, specifically Southland Tales. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Marcelo Pico, and with me as always, the other co-host of the show. I can't do this without him. Look who's look who it is. It's Marcus Irving. Hey, Marcus. I'm back, everybody. Marcus oh, Irving. Oh, you're back. Hey. Hey. How have you been, buddy? Oh, geez. It's been like, what, multiple days since we talked? <laughs> uh, yeah. This is, uh, we're, we're, we're at the tail end of April. We recorded a commentary, which, which by this point is already a month old. So, I mean, at this point, the new, the, the next commentary on our Patreon will be out, but we did face off. Um, go to patreon.com slash talk from society to listen to it. Uh, but yeah, so, but uh, I've been great. <laughs> Thank you. I've been Glad great. You. Yeah. Okay, I've, cool. I've, I've been great. Things have been busy. Things have been looking up. Things are really nice for me. Uh, Marcelo, I hear things are great for you. Oh, things are just, um, I mean, go ahead uh, and tell people. Uh, I mean, I, I got a few of the things that you got going on. I got married. I got married. Right, you got married. Uh, got you a got new got house, three new kids. Three new kids. They just poop, poop, poop came all out pretty quick in the last few days. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Living in LA now, um, directing Fast X, uh, things I, I I can't complain, Marcus. I can't complain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're you're the real reason that Justin Lin got taken <laughs> off that project. Like, you, I am. You want you want it. You just wanted in, and Vin liked you. Vin, I, I I was whispering in Vin's ear, keep recording Instagram videos, uh, with Justin Lin. Like when it seems like Justin Lin wants to take a break, man, we gotta get you back in the studio, man. We need more of your music out there in the world, Jack. <laughs> Come on, Jack. <laughs> and I was like, hey, remember when you recorded a Groot's dialogue uh, on stilts? Like, it was, <laughs> like do that again, but like for every movie. <laughs> like, you know what Dom needs? Stilts. <laughs> By the way, that's real. We need the fourth Riddick movie. <laughs> we need a fourth Riddick. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Blackmail the people at Universal. Get them to do it. Um, but I, th- that's a fun fact I learned recently. Uh, Vin Diesel, in order to get... It, this, this is Vin Diesel's version of method acting. He arrived in studio to record his lines for Groot on stilts. And there's there's video of this. Uh, I, I don't think I knew that. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, that's you, uh, did you did you think that was a joke, Marcus? That, that, that's real. No, I didn't think it was a joke. Oh. I, I just like I heard. Oh, it so I'm not like, funny. No, that sounds like something that would happen. So oh, that's something. I, I, obviously, I believed it right away. Obviously, Marcelo can't be that funny to make up something that ridiculous. It has to be real. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm okay. saying you lack imagination. You can only say factual things. What What's the other thing he did? He uh, he recorded all the different like yo soy Groot. Oh yes, like yes. That, like different languages. Like he made sure he did it all all the time. That was part of his contract that he that he wanted to do every every international line of Groot in Spanish, yeah. German, uh, French, Italian. Hungarian, Hungarian, Portuguese, um, Portuguese, uh, French, Canadian, I believe. Um, uh, Swahili. Did we say Spanish? Spanish. Um, Spanish. I think those are all the languages. But yeah, he did all those. Um, Hindi. So, uh, yes, of course. 
Um, but uh, anyway, speaking of Vin Diesel, uh, Fast X, I mean, that news, it's already, by this point, that's already old news. They've already got a director. <laughs> it's fine. But who do you think is going to be the director? Ron Howard. Ron Howard. <laughs> Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Perfect. I, 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 see, I see it going well. Ron Howard, the, the director of Fast X. Um, anyway. <laughs> You know, th- that that fits in perfectly <clears throat> into today's episode, actually. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, directors, uh, you know, butting heads with uh, uh, producers and the studio, we'll get to that later. But, you know, that will yeah. th- th- that sort of who's the most famous director to have done that. OK, well, We're talk about him today. Actually, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the answer is clear and we'll talk about it later. Uh, if I, I, I actually don't know if Marcus is thinking of what I'm thinking, if we're thinking the same thing, what are you thinking? I'm thinking Marcus? of the man, Richard Kelly, who no. we have a podcast about. <laughs> I'm actually thinking of, uh, Terry Gilliam. Um, yeah, I figured you were. Yeah. But uh, why are we thinking of Terry Gilliam? Oh, let's get myself? into it. Like, okay. What, what, what is, what is like, uh, okay. Uh, on the last episode of this show, um, I specifically hyped it up. I said, <laughs> Uh, we're coming into the our trilogy of, of final episodes. We only got three left. We're going to have uh, bang, boom, huge special guests, and we're going to wrap this thing up in, in flair with style. Uh, and now we're doing this kind of like offshoot side thing. Why are we doing that? Yeah, so for those who don't know, yes. And for those uh, who are missing out on, who are wanting us to do our like drink segments, we're not, oh, I think we're going to pass on that this episode so sorry because uh, i know we, we we did that the last like five episodes so i'm drinking water marcus says i don't know what you drink you what you're drinking um uh it's actually an exciting drink if you're oh, a fan of this show. <laughs> you know what save it save it so so fans of drink talk yeah. you're in luck you you if, if you're a fan of the show you can probably figure it out uh <laughs> but we're not gonna i'm not gonna discuss it on this episode we've got better topics oh okay so you so okay but but okay but you teased you teased it now you have to say it okay uh you know what i'm gonna st- i did say it i said it's it's it, it it's important to the mythology of this show and uh we'll leave it at that and i'll still <laughs> have some by the by oh, next okay. episode and okay. we'll talk about it then Fine, that's the tease. So, you, so leave, leave him off with another. Okay, tease. fine, fine. This one we can definitely pay off. Fine, okay. Fans of Drink Talk, uh, I hope that quenched your thirst. Uh, <laughs> so we usually go chapter by chapter, usually uh, through the film Southland Tales. We've already done what? Uh, I know this is episode seventeen, but it's but uh, I think I've, nine. I think chapter ten, we, 10 11, 12. The yeah, other yeah, of them, right. So we've done nine. So we've done nine chapters, um, and yes, uh, uh, I mean my my excuse is hey, we can slow down. We can we can, yeah. we can take it easy. And by the way, we've only done seven chapters. I just looked it up. So we we've we've done seven chapters. What? Yeah, that's what it. Aren't oh, sorry, 12? sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. Wait. No, well, okay. That's wrong. No. Okay. We've released seven. You know what? You're right. This is also that's fuck. It. Fuck me. Yeah. Because this is this is yeah. coming out in the month. By this point, yes, chapters eight <laughs> and nine are already out there. Thank you, Marcus. I was just confused. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, folks, I hope you're enjoying this the weekly release. <laughs> we we were on, <laughs> we were on break for like four months, <laughs> but now we're back. <laughs> 
that's what that's why I was confused because like the time. last one, as of this recording, the last one we released was <laughs> December twentieth of twenty twenty one. That was chapter seven. But now we're if back, I'm, baby. If I am our guest that we have on the episode that we haven't released, I'm I'm wondering why is that not out. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, I, yeah. and, and we we have to like apologize to him, I think, but because uh, <laughs> we recorded that episode with a guest in February, <laughs> and it's being we released had a regular release schedule, and then we just froze. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but we're coming back strong, baby. This is it. <laughs> coming back strong. <laughs> So and we're, what are we what are we coming back strong with Marcelo? What is this? What's this, going on? Okay, so we've done nine chapters. We're we're <laughs> it's taken ten minutes to say one thing. We've we've, <laughs> we've done nine chapters, but you know through the through our through our series we've taken stops. I mean, in the beginning of this series, we were just goofing off and talking about like yeah. Domino, and we did a commentary for Domino. Domino, then, Donnie Darko, Donnie Darko. Well, yeah, yeah. And then we also talked about Kiss Me Deadly, Kiss uh, Me Deadly, with, yeah. with Sarah Sarantino, the um, film historian Sarah Sarantino. On. Yeah, and and uh, now we're taking another break, and we're saying, hey, let's. We we've been talking about this off mic, and also I believe on mic too. We we, we sort of teased this too. Let's talk about the films that influenced Richard Kelly. That's what we're talking about today. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, we finally got there. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we I, I had a running list, and I think Marcus had a list at one point, and then he lost it or something. But I've uh, made it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, going through just the research we've done, the light research we've done, uh, and also a, a video. Also, I think plays part of it too, which we'll talk about in a yeah. bit. Um, I, it, 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 I I suggested it. I go. Let's just do this, so we can have more time to, to get together. Like the last three chapters, <laughs> and maybe who knows? Next week we'll have we'll do this again. <laughs> but but I but I I think it's I think I think this is a good idea because I'm already excited to talk about these movies and how how they connect to Richard Kelly. Yeah, but bef- before we can get to the end, we must go back to the beginning. It's a classic storytelling trope. Yes. It's kind of like uh, Back to the Future, right? It's kind of like Back to the Future, where they were trying to get to the future, but they went back first. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite Back to the Future movie? Oh, shit. Definitely the one that I've seen, which is the first one. Wait, you haven't seen? I think we may have talked about this. You haven't seen the other two? I have not. No. Oh, yeah. I think I remember you saying this. Eighty-eight gigawatts. <laughs> Man, I love that stuff. So anyway, uh, <laughs> let's 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 talk about what. Okay, what? I'm gonna pass it to you. I've talked too much, Marcus. I've, I've, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've so, rambled on and on. I, I, we're, we're on we, course now. This- We've got this list that we've been like slowly adding to over time of movies that like we hear Richard Kelly talk about in interviews as specific, uh, as like specifically inspired or movies that are uh, like in the case for this movies that are featured inside of his movies or referenced inside of his movies. Um, like the case of one of our films today. Uh, and so we kind of just uh, went through this list, uh, decided a, a handful that we would do, uh, today. 
Um, just kind of whatever we were thinking, what we thought might make it more interesting. <clears throat> a, a good interesting list of movies to kind of generally represent at least some section of who we believe Richard Kelly to be as a filmmaker, as a man. Um, <laughs> as a man. I <clears throat> before if, I mention... <laughs> I don't know if this yeah. this is like a good, you know, uh, uh, sort of like making of a man. I say filmmaker. You You can say man, Marcus. I'd say he's a man. <laughs> uh, so we watched a bunch of, we watched a bunch of stuff for this episode and, and we'll, we'll, we're about to say the, the things that we watched, but just before we say the list, I just have to say like, no, none of these movies star Steven Seagal. If you want that, you should go listen to Steven destroy our sister podcast. <laughs> yes. Our sister uh, podcast. No, none of these movies are romantic comedies or romances at all. If you want that, you should go listen to our sister podcast at Pod to Be You. Uh, no, none of these movies are direct-to-video sequels to films that were released theatrically originally. Uh, if you want that, you should go listen to our sister podcast sequels on the Talk Film Society Network. And no, none of these movies are like filthy, sexy pornos. If you want that, you should listen to Marcelo's other podcast that he does. Uh, these are just regular movies that have inspired the man Richard Kelly. Yeah. Uh, no, these don't have monsters. Go listen to Monsters Never Die or Sister Podcast. No, these these aren't Disney movies. These the, none of these movies have monsters. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> none of these movies have monsters. No way. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, go listen to Monsters Never Die. None of these are Disney movies. Go go listen to um, uh, Dream. Yeah, Dream a dream little inside deeper. of a dream. <laughs> no, no. I am Dream a little deeper. Uh, coming back soon. Uh, um, but okay, let's go through the list. Oh, dude, let's let's talk about that video, Marcus, before we reveal the list. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what we got this video. All right, we got this video, friend, man. Our friend uh, Marcelo's uh, former co-host on the on the on one of those porno shows. <laughs> Uh, the real Matt C, <laughs> Matt Curione, he uh, he informed us of this uh, YouTube channel that's really fun. It's kind of like uh, the Criterion Closet. Like I, I'm, I'm a fan of those videos. I'm sure you are too, Marcelo. Absolutely. Where you see people go through the the Criterion Closet, pick out like all their favorite Criterion movies. Those are great. But this one, it's uh, it's like a French version of that, and it's just like a French video store that gets uh, famous people to come in. They're usually French uh, stars, but they're like the odd ones out. Like there's Michael Bay and uh, some other like big, big, big name like uh, international stars and uh, Edward Norton for some reason. And uh, and uh, when I was searching through that page, uh, to my delight, uh, I stumbled upon that they had had uh, Richard Kelly. Uh, in their uh, little French video store just a couple years ago. And he yes. he did a video there where he walked through uh, and was just picking out movies at random, talking about movies he likes. Yeah, it, it was it was an exciting find. Um, I watched some of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Marcus, you watched it's all like of it. like a 12-minute video or something. I, I was so- able to sit down and watch <laughs> the whole thing. I'm, um, I'm sorry I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, you know, I should also say I'm also finishing up one of the movies right now as we talk. It's on. <laughs> it's it's on another screen. Um, but the but okay, listen. But I I I also started off uh, before we we recorded off mic saying 
did you watch the video? Because <laughs> I wanted to make sure you watched it because <laughs> yes. I, I watched the video. I wrote down every single movie he picked up and talked about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Some like interesting comments about the ones he had interesting things to say about. Okay. Uh, and I think we should, we like, should talk I'll about it. Say in general. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. Uh, I don't have to, uh, we don't have to t- say every single thing that he, he said, but I will. Uh, he picked you know the, fir- the first we can, thing. We can, for we some can save reason. some of it for another one of these episodes. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'll talk about half of them. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll decide which is the halfway point. Yeah. I don't have them numbered. Uh, okay, the first one he picked up, the very first one he picked up, Marcelo, name that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, I think it... I th- Certainly you watched the beginning. No, wait, I may have skipped around. <laughs> okay, I, now, I, the, the, the movie, or the, the video started with, like, a stinger at the beginning uh, that I thought was teasing a later, larger section that never came. Uh, he picked up a, a DVD for Donnie Darko, <clears throat> and uh, uh, it was, like, the European cover, and he said, like, this thing makes... Th- this specific cover makes me want to vomit. Oh, and, that's uh, right. I'm not sure why. It's not that bad. It's not good. Uh, certainly, I've seen better covers for this movie, but uh, I don't think it's terrible. It's kind of like a typical 2000s, like everybody's faces on the thing, kind of like, uh, oh, the like slasher movies of that time, which I get. Yeah, I guess it does represent this like it's a slasher movie. It's not a slasher movie. Donnie Darko? I have it playing in the background right now. Oh. I'll tell you if he does any slashing. People uh, die. So, yeah, uh, so uh, go go from there. The, when he first entered the store, for some reason, the first movie he picks up is The Favorite, which I thought ah, was interesting. Yes. And uh, so that was like 2017, Yorgos Lanthimos, Emma Stone. Uh, another interesting thing. <laughs> How is The Favorite spelled here, Marcelo? Uh, with a U. Yeah, it's spelled with a U. Yeah. In France, it's not. Oh, well, I'm sure it's because it's... It's just The Favorite. I'm sure because it's it's a it's the French version of favorites. Maybe they don't use a U for favorite. Uh, neither do the Americans. That's, that's yeah. I don't know why they weird. don't just. It's that's. I thought that was kind of an, a weird little thing. Uh, I picked up. <clears throat> so like these are movies. A lot of them are movies that <clears throat> we haven't seen work from Richard Kelly that could have possibly been inspired by these by these movies. Uh, the favorite. Uh, Neon Demon, Interstellar. He picks up these movies, talks ah, yes. about them, says how much he likes them. Um, Post the box movies for fans of the of the man. Uh, I was pretty excited when he picked up Domino, uh, and he uh, yes, I saw this says part. That, yeah, he says that uh, the, they asked him like, what was the thing he got the most from Tony Scott working on this movie? And he said uh, he learned like screenplay development like get the script done and so you don't have to worry about it later while you're shooting the movie and try not to change it which i thought that was a weird thing to pick out but uh but yeah yeah i uh and uh i oh. i i felt good watching that part and then thinking back on like our domino episodes i think we did a good job mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. uh yeah. i think it it uh it is an important movie i think in richard kelly's career because i think Tony yeah, Scott for sure. was like a as like a as a mentor figure for Richard Kelly. It seems like it, yeah, that they only worked together that one time, but it seems like he did get a lot out of the man. Yeah, and they worked closely. Uh, something interesting he said during that was that like we we noticed we we noticed the parallels and stuff, and like obviously it was a reference, but he says that he he specifically like scripted that final shootout at the top of the 
at the top of the at the Space Needle or whatever in Las Vegas. Uh, he specifically scripted that sequence to be a a tribute to True Romance. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. That, like he actually thought that much about it when he came up with it. Yeah, that's why I remember us talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something called The Witness? I don't remember what that was. The Witness? Do you mean Witness, starring Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Witness. Harrison Ford, yes. I, I gotta get rid of the, the... I believe... That's my problem. Who, who directed Witness? I think that was another influence of his. Um, that director. I'll, I'll look it up. You, yeah. You, you talk. Uh, Harrison Ford. I for some, uh, Oddly enough, I had seen a few minutes of this film on TV the other day, and my mom was like, this is a good movie. And uh, now I do want to watch the whole thing, but I did not get to at the time. Uh, I don't remember anything he specifically said about it, but he said it was a good movie, which is good enough for me. Uh, and yes, I believe um, I, 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 I have to look back at our DMs, Marcus, because I think one uh, you might have sent this excerpt from an interview, but I think uh, Peter Weir was called out by Kelly as an influence. And I think Witness was. Um, part of that uh, uh, call out, like right. yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. The work Peter of Peter right. Weir, uh, who also did Master and Commander: Far Side of the World, and uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Um, great. I'll just say a couple. I'll just say two more that uh, it's not a tumor. Two more from this list that directly uh, tie into today's episode. He mentioned uh, Twelve Monkeys. Uh, he said that's his favorite Bruce Willis performance. I, I'm, and, I'm eagerly anticipating yeah. the 4K of that arriving at my house soon. Um, Ooh. I, I haven't seen it in a while. Speaking of Terry Gilliam, I haven't seen it in a while. And I'm eager because I, I, I wanted to see the good Terry Gilliam movies. And I also want to see the good uh, Bruce Willis performances. Um, so yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh- yeah, I, I have not seen that movie since I was a child. I think we'll talk about it later. Uh, and he also picks up the Evil Dead Two. Ooh. Uh, and he mentions uh, he mentions specifically that he is extremely squeamish about horror movies. He does not like horror movies necessarily, but he does say that the Evil Dead films are like some of the best well-made movies ever. And he loves Sam Raimi. Last thing he picks up in the, sh- in the, in the thing, he picks up uh twin peaks, the return the ah. Blu-ray of the series. And, uh, he says, it's uh, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And, uh, Kyle McLaughlin gives the greatest performance ever. Uh, he, and he talks about the same thing that like we hear about all the time that movies are, uh, this was, this video was like four years old. It was a slightly more novel conversation at the time. He was like, oh, movies are becoming TV and TV are becoming movies because like the Marvel movies are like this continuous TV show you keep going to theater for us. And and uh, the TV is you watch the return. It feels like a single 18 hour movie, which I mean, look, isn't incorrect, but that's it. We'll, we'll talk more about that when we talk about. Yeah, yeah I think I think later in the, the video for now. But yeah. the, the, in the next in the next episode of this, I will have a couple interesting things, I think, to say about <laughs> The film Southland Tales, oh. and that's your uh, that's your preview. Wow. That's, that's your your bait. I love it. I had to dig up that portion really of the interview. Sorry to interrupt you, Marcus. I'm going to move on to something else. No, I, I want to go back to Witness. Here's the direct quote from Richard Kelly about Peter Weir. It says here, 
Um, I remember being very moved and impressed with P- Peter Weir's ability to shapeshift from genre to genre and to tell all different kinds of stories sent different eras and communities. He could do Dead Poet Society, then he could go and make Witness or The Fearless. And it continues on, and he also mentions Terry Gilliam again. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. I, 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 w- I would say that applies to Kelly as well. I mean, <clears throat> there's certainly similarities between the three, but uh, I, I would call Donnie Darko, uh, Southland Tales in the Box, three different genres. Yeah, uh, three different types of movies. Um, For sure, if we count Domino in there too, it's 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 a nice and Domino, it's a nice yeah, mix. of course, totally yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could see, he could do a, a a comedy, right? He could do he could do anything. Could do uh, anything. Richard Kelly, please do anything. Do, I want, do, yeah, do I want whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> do anything, please. Do something. Um, okay, so that's the French video. What what's what's the uh, what's the video store called, Marcus? Uh, f- uh, la, la, la cinema, la cinema day forever. I, I don't know. Uh, it says <clears throat> here, JM Video. Uh, you can follow JM them. JM Video. You can follow them at JM Video one two one. They have eighty nine followers <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> nice. Um, but nice. they, but they, they're able to get Michael Bay to talk about movies he loves yeah, for twenty Michael minutes. Michael Bay, uh, like uh, esteemed stars, like every every French actor, actress, filmmaker you've ever heard of. But, they they've got videos. By the way, if you go to at JM Video One Two One, maybe this will change in a month. But you'll see a video of them promoting their conversation with um, Dario Argento. Uh, the, a tweet about um, promoting another video of theirs. I'm not sure Frankenstein's in it. Then the third tweet is a retweet oh. of mine. <laughs> like they retweeted my tweet where I said thanks. Yes, they retweeted my tweet where I said thanks. The romance. See, that's Matt Curione for bring. Uh. I spelled bringing wrong. They retweeted a tweet oh, no. that has a misspelling in it. Oh, whatever. They're the only persons <laughs> that tweeted it. <laughs> this is sad. And four people liked it. <laughs> so this very famous French video store. This may be a front. Like may, may, maybe this Twitter account isn't even them. <laughs> I just, I'm just not realizing. Uh, but anyway, if it is them, go follow them. They should have more than 89 followers if they're able yeah, to. Their, their YouTube videos are doing well. Like they got yeah. good numbers. Okay. On there, okay. So like good. That, yeah. I mean, they're yeah. doing something. Twitter followers doesn't 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 make you know nah. make you more famous translate. Yeah, exactly so they're, they're doing fine they, they still should have more than 89 followers okay uh, moving on do we have any news Marcus uh, nothing that I would call news no okay has has Richard Kelly speaking on Twitter tweeted anything recently <laughs> ah shit I guess we could find out yeah huh? let's go let's, o- let's open up the tweet bag Richard Kelly. Let's let's uh, let's do it together. Richard Kelly, Richard Kelly on Twitter. Let's see. Uh, J. Richard uh, Kelly. What does the really J stand liked for? Coda, I guess. Um, oh yeah, we 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 said this, didn't we? Uh, we went through this. What what? Like a oh, year J ago. is actually his first name. Uh, is like James Richard Kelly or something. Ah, I, I see. Richard. I see. Uh, so Richard Kelly retweeted a shout out to yes. Um, 
heart emoji my mother's uh i won't be i won't <clears throat> be here without them <laughs> what a, a tweet by daniel and durant uh who was uh who played a uh, uh, lead role in, in the coda yes the brother in coda yes the brother yeah. in coda uh, he retweeted Cormac every McCarthy? Cormac McCarthy tweet. Uh, not a tweet by Cormac McCarthy. A tweet about Cormac McCarthy by the New York Times. He just likes to retweet things he likes. Oh, here's a here's the scene from the box. He ah, retweeted a he scene. Retweeted from a the scene box. from the box. That's interesting. I still have yet to see the box. I'll see the box. Yeah, I guess in, yeah, in a few I, weeks. I, I avert your eyes, Marcel. I I'm I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down. And then we see uh, him story? him retweeting a Walter Child review of West Side Story, which I remember us talking about last episode. Okay, so we're caught up. Yes. All right, so he likes Coda, Dragon he likes Cormac McCarthy, McCarthy, and he likes The Box. So And who, who doesn't? I, I don't even know. I just noticed I've, I haven't been on Kelly's um, profile uh, in a while, and I never noticed, um, as, his, as his background, he has the U.S. ident. Um, chain of command uh, as his banner. So that's interesting. Is it? Is it interesting? Yep. <laughs> that, no. Yeah. That is. I have pulled up that picture before, and like specific. Like it, it gives you a better view of it than you get anywhere else. Ah, and, and maybe from his. Cool. Maybe from his personal files. We we, we gotta. We gotta get him. We gotta get him to open up and give us. We'll get him, guys. We're trying really hard. We're, we, we will get him. You don't know, guys. We're, we're putting the work in to get Richard Kelly on the show. <laughs> Trust me. It goes beyond us saying, <laughs> Richard Kelly, come on the show. Trust me. James Corden is leaving the late show. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's so great. Are you reading Twitter? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. I had to pull up Twitter. I didn't I didn't see that news earlier. Oh, that's yes. so funny. We're, we're, we're recording. And I, I almost <laughs> wanted to cancel because of this news. Uh, yes, the news broke today that James Corden is ending his run at the Late Late Show uh, hey, next year. Hey, bud, you'll you'll go on to do so many uh, greater things, you know. Absolutely, he's so yeah. multifaceted. Everybody loves him. Um, Every single fucking musical movie, you are guaranteed to get at least a cameo in for the rest of ti- rest of time. I, I I bet I bet he was excited when they announced Wicked was uh, splitting into two movies because now he has two more films on his filmography. Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually don't know if he's in that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Um, anyway, he's the baker. Speaking of James Corden, I bet how many of these movies do you think? James Corden has seen the the four we're talking about today, Marcus. Um, Wait, did did did, did James, we did we already name the ones we were discussing? No, we haven't. Oh, fuck. James Corden <laughs> seems like a man that has not actually watched any movies. Uh, he always comes off uh, very plastic, very uh, talking about things in the most general way possible. I, it does not seem like he's ever watched or imbibed any sort of media beyond musical theater. Uh, and maybe not even that. So, uh, uh, none of them. Although one of them's a pretty prominent British filmmaker, so perhaps that one. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't even give him that. I wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I would say he's seen none of these movies. Uh, and by the way, should we? I'm with you. Yeah. So, so we'll go through them one by one. So let's go through the list. Okay. What are we? What are we going to discuss today? Uh, so here we go. The list is this: Evil Dead, The Last Temptation of Christ, Brazil, and Twin Peaks: 
The Return, a.k.a. Twin Peaks Season 3. Yeah. Now, I, yeah. I assure you, he's he's never seen a horror movie. He doesn't care for it. James Corden. Yeah. Um, doesn't care about Jesus or Martin Scorsese. So he goes, pass. Uh, Brazil, too too much for him to handle. He could have been on. It was on the screen as a, as a as a child in the eighties. It was it was it was playing in his father's bedroom, and he snuck in and watched five minutes of it and said, uh, uh, "This is not good enough," or whatever. <laughs> he, he's siding on the side of the government on a, on, on uh, while watching Brazil. <laughs> he's like, "Damn right, uh, Jonathan Price got what he deserved." Right. Um, <laughs> And then I can't do. Do you? Th- in what world does James Corden watch Twin Peaks? No, there's there's no way. No, there's no, no way. No, no absolutely no. not. Uh, uh, unless, uh, well, hmm, unless he like he sees some of the like forest imagery and maybe he thinks it's like an Into the Woods thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he perks up every time they go to the. Uh, the, the the what's what's uh, what I just saw 16 hours of this what's the bar they go to at the end of every episode um with with bang bang bar the bang bang is it the bang bang bar yes maybe that's, that's why bang bang I never I don't know the name of it because it's such a bad name for a bar he thinks well, is, is that, they call it like the roadhouse or something yeah but, it's, but yeah it's the like the roadhouse sign yeah is the bang bang bar yeah like every that's time like <laughs> uh, every time they 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 show like nine inch ales or like a band performing. He, his, his ears perk up. Then he just passes out for every other scene <laughs> in that show. Um, anyway, that's my point. He is uh, a stupid person who doesn't watch anything good. <laughs> but hey, we watched all this great stuff. We, we It was good to watch good stuff, Marcus. You know, compared to sometimes yeah for not for this show but for other times when we do the these, these sort of things I'm talking about podcasting we tend to not see great things but I had a great time yeah. watching all this stuff um, admittedly yeah, we, we watched go ahead. two two movies I'd never seen before two movies I had to get off my uh, check off my classics list and I'm glad I got to do that yeah uh, I, I will say do uh, which one do you want to do we talk about first? Should we go the 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 way I, I I said it? Should we start with Evil Dead then then Twin? I think then, the Evil Dead's a good place to yeah, start. Let's start Evil Dead. I think that's the earliest one on the list too. That's that's the lightest, breeziest one to talk about. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I did watch all these, but not for this show. I watched Evil Dead a month ago, actually, um, but yeah. it, it's still fresh in my mind. Uh, Evil Dead, directed by Sam Raimi. Who's having a moment? I had not. Oh, Sam Raimi is having such a moment. Sam Raimi. Uh, uh, yeah, but by this Evil point, Dead. by by this point, he has the number one movie in the world. Uh, yeah, Doctor Strange yeah. and the Multiverse of Madness. So good for him. Premiering along the trailer of Avatar Two. Can't wait. At this point, it's a month later, um, Marcus. It's a month later. Um, yeah. it's May twentieth or something. Whenever this drops, uh, how Can you believe how Sully. What what he did in that trailer? What yeah. Jake Sully did in that trailer? Oh my god! The way he jumped off that pier and dived into the water, and then uh, he the, was he was in the, the water. Just the way of the water, like it was, it was. Oh, it was crazy. The water was um, around so did, him and Zoe Saldana. Yeah, and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Ah, uh, 
So the Evil Dead, Evil Dead. it 1980. I had not seen it since I was a kid, 1990 whatever. I, 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 super good. Super good movie, dude. <laughs> it's a blast, man. <laughs> no, it's a fucking thrill ride. It's it's it, it's like second one, it's scaring you and it's and it's doing that the entire time. It is a legitimately very very well made freaky movie. This is his first movie, right? Like that's that's incredible. Absolutely. Uh, how, how big of a fan are you of uh, Mr. Sam Raimi, Marcus? Mr. Raimi, uh, I mean, shit, I'd almost like to say uh, I do like the the man's movies. Oh, really? You would say that? <laughs> I'd almost like to say that. You, you'd almost like to. You uh, don't want to say that, but you'd almost like to say that. I just have to look up, you know, just take a quick peek here. Oh, at your at the filmography of a very famous director who I should probably be able to name many movies off the bat, and I can only think of like two franchises. Can I? Can I? Can I get uh, the ball rolling? Can I get the ball rolling? Um, Oz the Great and Powerful. <laughs> let's not start there. Let's not drag start. me to hell. Drag me to drag hell. Drag me to hell is fantastic. fantastic. The Spider-Man movies, of course, except for the third one. Uh, you know, and maybe even the third one. There's revisionism happening with that. The Evil Dead movies, of course. Yeah, he's he's firmly within the canon. He's an extremely good filmmaker. He's great at many multiple different types of things. Uh, he's going to be putting out. Uh, let's hope he can make a Marvel movie feel slightly different than a Marvel movie. Who knows? Even though he, he um, just said in an interview today that he yeah he, yeah he, got, he came on board not, and. He, he, uh, he tried to put as much of himself in the movie, but it was hard to do because he said he, yes. he said pretty much this that uh, he was just following sort of what what's came before and like uh, that's such a bummer, right? Like Bruce Campbell had an interview too where he was like, "Yeah, I, I mean, like uh, Marvel, it, it's tough to make these movies because like Marvel will just come in and say this has to go. We we change the overall story, so you got to shoot something at this extra scene to put in here and." Uh, and he said this quote was like that, like I bet uh, Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't even know if he's in the movie until it finally releases. <laughs> okay, one thing uh, that one thing that'll connect back to Evil Dead is uh, a, a, a quote that I read from Raimi today said, "Filming Evil Dead one uh, was like a f- like filming like a solo performance, and then filming Spider Man two was like uh, orchestrating a band." And then doing Multiverse of Madness was like uh, orchestrating a, a symphony. Um, so I, I kind of get that. Like when it's a bigger project, mm-hmm. I guess there's not enough room to kind of like do a freewheeling sort of like pure creative burst of joy like yeah. the Evil Dead movies are. Yeah, I guess. I, 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 I understand that. Uh, but I mean, but okay. I'll also say this about Sam Raimi. I just watched Darkman on the big screen last night, which Marcus, I don't think you've seen Darkman. Correct. I'm going to wager to guess. Um, I think you should see it. Um, it's incredible. It's like going back to that like analogy of like uh, when he was directing Spider-Man, Raimi. It's like there was just enough you know freedom there to see him like play um but then when he did dark man in 1990 like 12 years before you definitely saw him like really just going for like the the stuff you see in evil dead you know like this progression it, i guess now thinking about it, it's kind of sad but, but like as the years go on like as he makes bigger and bigger movies that kind of gets pulled away so when he makes something like drag me to hell 
that's like something smaller compared to like the Spider-Man movies. Um, that is like incredible. So I like when he works, you know, on a you know minimal budget, and he has more creative freedom because you get something like Dark Man or Drag Me to Hell, and that all like goes back to stuff like Evil Dead. That's my yeah, take yeah, on the yeah, man. Drag Me to Hell's. Drag, yeah, Drag Me to Hell is one of my favorite movies ever, and then the Evil Dead is clear. It's one of the best horror movies ever made. I imagine. Two as well is I I, I I haven't seen the movie since I was a kid, but I saw Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Two, all at that time. I watched a little bit of that Ash versus the Evil Dead show. Uh, I watched like the first few episodes. It was fine. Um, yeah, but, uh, so did I. It was fine. Uh, but but the, the this the first movie, like even though it goes like this, the franchise goes into ridiculous places. This first movie is very grounded. Uh, I mean, I I mean like witches and shit, but still, like it's a, it's a very grounded uh, kind of like. Like a uh, freaky, very serious, straightforward horror movie. Um, yeah, uh, and it's incredibly well made doing that. Um, the the fact I, the fact that it's so limited in budget and they did a lot and endangered seemingly Bruce Campbell's life uh, so many times <laughs> uh, to make this movie. It I think th- it holds up. Uh, like my biggest complaint of this thing is like it's not fun enough and it's maybe too mean. Um, I mean, there's there's brutality in it that I think later on in the franchise, in like Evil Dead Two and like uh, Army of Darkness, they go away from. But it's still like uh, it it's still like on the pantheon of like you know the 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 masterpieces of like horror movies like this and along with like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like Halloween and like it it, it belongs up there. So I it it, so it holds up that well. We did Evil Dead because. In the film Donnie Darko, uh, Donnie Darko and Gretchen, they go to the movie theater and they are in the movie theater watching the Evil Dead on the big screen. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, Yeah, so that's why we did this. Do, do we see any sort of Richard Kelly-ness in here whatsoever? Can we relate this to the man or his work? Now, I I will say it's interesting to look at it uh as like um like sort of a call out like uh donnie darko being richard kelly's directorial debut uh and him putting evil dead uh as a reference in the mark on the marquee in his director he originally wanted chud but they couldn't get the rights to chud they couldn't figure out who owned the rights to chud and then they asked sam raimi and he said yes which is insane to me uh, because who cares <laughs> about Chud that much? Right. Um, right. Uh, I, 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 well, I guess I guess now we have to talk about Chud. So we have to have a Chud episode. That's that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think I think it fits in that. Um, the, uh, and you know when I said this belongs in the pantheon of horror movies, I also think this belongs in the pantheon of like. Um, of great horror movies, I mean, this also should be in the pantheon of like great directorial debuts. Oh yeah, because you get Raimi's style instantly. Like I put this alongside like Blood Simple, or what's another great debut? Thief. Uh, I can't think of any more. But uh, but but like with this first movie, Sam Raimi just puts himself in it, and like you see that through like 
you know, the the, the decades after that in his in his later Reservoir movies. Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Thank you. Another great debut. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. I think Donnie Darko um, is a great debut, and it has. I mean, of course, Kelly's filmography isn't as big as Sam Raimi's, but. You know, in what I've seen so far, and I haven't seen the box, so I'm basing this just on Donnie Darko <laughs> and stuff like that, and a movie that he wrote, <laughs> a movie that he wrote, Domino. <laughs> but uh, this Kelly has a promising career. Like, but I, I, I do think it's like it's worthy of that call out of like, yes, I'm putting one of the best directorial debuts ever as a call out on my, uh, you know, in like one scene in the, in my movie. And yes, uh, my movie is is worthy of like being you know uh, seen as like a great start for a filmmaker. So I see that connection sure. there. So uh, what do you think, Marcus? Uh, my only real thought is uh, Donnie Darko is a movie. It was like kind of marketed sort of as a horror movie. Uh, so is the box. Neither of them are really horror movies. It does seem like uh, like what Richard Kelly said in his little uh, interview video store thing is like. He's not a big horror movie fan. He, he gets squeamish around like violence and blood and stuff. So he isn't like necessarily watching that stuff. He can respect it when he sees it and he knows it. And he can, he can tell it's good, like with the evil dead here, but it's not something he really wants to portray, even though I, I, I would say something like that could fit in, in Donnie Dark over the box. And, uh, I think it's interesting. He kind of writes around, works around, uh, using violence or like our, our previous guest Brianna Ashby brought up violence as as uh, as comedy in in Southland Tales which it is <clears throat> which it is used as uh, the the final rocket shot is funny the man getting shot onto the giant toilet seat is funny the other <laughs> man getting shot on a toilet is funny and i think not the first evil dead cuz like you said the first evil dead's like brutally serious uh you say to a fault, I say uh, uh, to the moon. And but, <laughs> I am <laughs> the not later saying Evil that. Dead movies. The the later Evil Dead movies have a little bit more uh, camp silliness to them, if I remember correctly. Especially oh, yeah. Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. And I would sure. say he probably shoots for that more. And I mean, in, in the video, he picked up Evil Dead too. He didn't pick up Evil Dead. Yeah, I, uh, uh, and uh, that that's a good point. Um, again, you 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 brought up that point about. 20 minutes ago saying Richard Kelly doesn't, doesn't like horror movies. So I, I, you know, thinking about it, like maybe he hasn't even seen this entire movie, evil dead. Um, he's watched it through his fingers. Like he says, <laughs> fingers covering his eyes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I looked up that chud fact and I, I guess I have to go back and say I was wrong. Cause I thought that they were like, they, they just wanted the name chud on the marquee, but no, they wanted the footage and that's what they were seeing. Yeah. That's what they yeah, were supposed was, to see. Because uh, what in what else is on that marquee, Marcella? It's a double feature. So that night, uh, Donnie and Gretchen and Donnie Darko were like, instead of seeing Chud and something else, you know, uh, which, hey, Richard Kelly, go back, you know, do the Chud cuts of Donnie Darko. Put Chud back in there. <laughs> um, Just digitally put Chud <laughs> Digitally <on>. put Chud <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, if, if if I don't forget, I'm going to do that after we stop recording. I'm going to put Chud on the marquee <laughs> over Evil Dead and The Last Temptation of Christ. Yes. Um, so Donnie and Gretchen did a double feature because that's, that's what was playing of uh, Evil Dead and The Last Temptation of Christ. Um, yeah. 
which is a hell of a double feature and also a very long double feature because that is a brutal night at the movies. <laughs> that is like incredibly brutal. 70. Like how long is the evil dead? Like 80 minutes. It's evil, super short. It's like 80 something minutes. And then last uh, temptation, last temptations, like two and a half hours. <laughs> we, we were originally going to record this, uh, this past Sunday as of this recording. Then I DM Marcus, I go, I didn't know Last Temptation was two hours and 40 minutes, so I'm going to need more time. <laughs> uh, and it took us a few days to come back together. Um, but okay, last, last Temptation of Christ. Let me start off by saying it's been a while since I've seen Last Temptation, and I had very little memory of it. Um, and I was excited to, to rewatch it. I kind of wanted an, an excuse to rewatch it. And then this idea popped in my head, and I, I, I'm confessing something to you, Marcus. Like I'm doing all this just so I had a good excuse to rewatch Last Temptation of Christ. So uh, the truth came out. Um, but no, honestly, that's fair. <laughs> that was one reason. But honestly, like I, how do I go? How do I get into this? I've had sort of like a like a weird last few weeks when it comes to like the Jesus story. Um, like, mm. uh, I, I listened to, I'm not going to go into detail, but like I listened to a podcast that talked about, uh, 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 what's, what's the Mel Gibson one? The, the last passion, the passion of, of Christ. Christ. Yeah. Uh, and I saw that in theaters. I saw passion of the Christ in theaters and had an experience that so many people had during that time, like, like semi-religious people even. And I was kind of like semi-religious. And I took my family to go watch The Passion of the Christ and, like, watch Jesus be brutally, like, tortured for, like, two hours and, like, cried yeah. during that movie. Odd experience. I don't ever want to see that movie again. Um, <laughs> and then around that time, I, I went to go see Jesus Christ Superstar in a theater. And I had never seen that. And watching that movie kind of blew my mind because, like I said, like, I'm kind of I, – I, I, I'm, I'm not religious at all now. You know, but years ago – I did go to church because, you know, my parents went to church. And then I think collectively we all just said, not for us. Um, I, I don't know now if they still go. I'm pretty sure they don't. But I for sure am like, yeah, uh, whatever. Religion, it's some of it's just pretty much phony. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I and I, I guess I was a bad Catholic because I never really knew the story of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. And it wasn't made clear really until i saw jesus christ superstar like three weeks ago <laughs> and i was like oh what? oh it, marcus this is real <laughs> okay well, i guess okay no let me no 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 no. wait, wait. let me okay let me make it more clear <laughs> let me make it more clear to you marcus it's like i understood yeah. about the crucifixion i understood that yes jesus died yes but like yeah. jesus christ superstar the movie made it clear for me that he was a man who had a following and like it made it more clear that you know his 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 path to the crucifixion okay it's some it's 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 the stories around it leading him to the crucifixion you only knew the event you didn't yeah, know so much I knew, of the yeah of the, the burning bushes and all that exa- shit exactly yes 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 so so um, I, I'm gonna assume you haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar, Marcus, right? Um, uh, no, I yeah. not. So, so that gives like more, you know, pre-crucifixion stuff because I guess like that's the pre-crucifixion stuff. I did, I didn't really know. So that's my thing. Okay, I knew the man was crucified. Okay, okay give me that, Marcus. Um, 
But okay, seeing Jesus Christ Superstar was like, okay, I get the story now. Um, and but then now seeing uh, Last Temptation of Christ really gave me more of what I needed. And I, again, I, I saw this years ago, but I guess it didn't stick with me. It wasn't until now, having gone through these last few weeks of like, like listening to and like watching Jesus movies, it's like I have a better understanding of like that entire scope of that story. Of like his okay. his following, like the his rationale behind everything, um, and 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 yeah, like this had like a huge. This con- is an unconventional one, kind exactly. Of. Like the uh, last temptation is like uh, it's him. It portrays Jesus like as a man, uh, not necessarily. Uh, he's struggling with his faith. He's not necessarily like super gung ho about the fact that I'm the son of God and I'm going to save everybody. He's more of like. Uh, uh, he's more like having to come to terms with that fact and uh, doing what little he can, even though he struggles uh, with his <clears throat> faith. Uh, and I would say, like you've said, you've watched a lot of adaptations in this last few weeks. I mean, do any of the other ones? Because this is specifically based on a fictional book called The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, it's like a no- it's a it's an adaptation of that novel. Yeah. I, Would you say that this strays far from the story um, or portrays it in a different way? I mean, from from what I understand, like, of course, the truly fictionalized parts of it are the parts where they made him. And, and we'll, we'll talk about it because it was like the biggest controversy of that time. It's like the whole like him on the cross. And him, uh, Jesus in Last Temptation of Christ, played by Willem Dafoe, who's amazing. Him having this doubt about everything, about his his uh, his role and you know the uh, yeah. being being the Messiah. Um, and he has this like he has this uh, he has this multiverse moment <laughs> where he, his guardian angel comes up to yeah. him, uh, grabs him off the cross, uh, saves him from his pain, and then he lives out. Uh, the rest of his years, uh, not having sacrificed himself in the name of the Lord and dying for everybody's sins. Uh, but he does see that uh, the religion does go on. Uh, like, he sees uh, yeah. Harry Dean Stanton's character later on in life, uh, and he's uh, preaching, and he comes to realize that the guardian angel was actually the devil. Uh, Right. Yeah, uh, uh, Satan an angel himself. from hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, that's the twist. Um, so the snake. Spoilers for Last Temptation of Christ. The apple. Yeah. So and and like of course in the uh, that controversial sh- uh, section where like he sees like this flash of his life uh, because the evil spirit is like like basically saying, oh you could you could have all this instead of like going through all this pain. Yeah. All all of this was yeah. controversial because you see him. Like have sex and uh, have a family, have a family, and be yeah. human. He raises a family, just is a normal guy for the rest of his life. I guess um, that's that's what I found even interesting. Though he was this extraordinary man, and he's not necessarily forgotten, but he has left his place. Yeah. So um, my my understanding of of like what's in the text, I guess, is just that they made him more like just a. Like a uh, 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 untouchable like hero figure, 
Like my, it's you know, and and to to try to humanize Jesus Christ, like that's not really the church's position, right? I guess. Yeah. Again, I have a, I have yeah. a, I have a crude understanding of all this, but uh, but, but well, it's yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. No. No. You're you're right. It's these stories are taught like a lot. All these stories, I like did recognize them from readings from the Bible, which is. Not all of them, but most of them. I, I, I mean, the the fucking the the thing where he gets taken off the cross. I don't think that is in the Bible, but uh, maybe he has a vision trying to tempt him. But I don't think that there's any sort of sequence where he comes off the cross. No, I think that's uh, really, but uh, and 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 also when I say fictional, I just mean compared to like what's in like the Bible and like the text. Um, uh, yeah. If you ask me, a lot of this is fictional, but uh, but just like oh Jesus. <laughs> Marcella, I know. Come should, on, should, should, should we get into it? Because like, I don't want to be too controversial. I need, to, I, need I, I don't think I can be a part of this show anymore. <laughs> All I'll say is this: It's like I, the, the, I understand why Jesus. Again, maybe I should just tone it back. But like, yeah, I'll, you know what? I will tone it back. <laughs> I, I, I'll just say I understand. I think, I think it's, I think it's an important story to tell. You know, and I think the I, hardcore Christians that would get mad about this movie are not. Yeah, Lis- uh, not listening. They're 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 about upholding an, an image more than they are about Christianity. Like, yeah, it's. I think I think, and that image is of, uh, uh something of xenophobia and racism. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Which uh, which I don't I don't even think as great as I think Last Temptation of Christ is. I, I don't think it even escapes that sort of xenophobia and racism itself, even, and uh, and I think that's I think that's just because modern day religions are just that built into like racism. Because like, look, in last again, I think it's a great movie, but I think the fault is just that's just the design of modern day religion is that we see Jesus played by William Defoe, super white guy. And all the villains in the movie, and this is not just last, last temptation. This is I'm like even like Jesus Christ Superstar, and like basically every other Jesus adaptation. It's like you see the bad guys played by people who are not white, and yeah. 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 So you see that for sure in the casting of Last Temptation of Christ. Again, I think it's a great movie, but inherently that's the problem with the depiction of modern day Jesus. Um, uh, again, I don't want to be too controversial, but I'll just say. It opened my eyes to the fact that, like, the story of Jesus is compelling. I think it should be told, but it's just the story has been just so warped again by shitty people over the last hundred <clears throat> years, several hundred years, a thousand years, um, and Thousands, it's yeah. it's frustrating because this could th- this story is still like great as like a parable. But it's again, yeah. it's just been so demented and warped. So it, it, it's hard to just fully. I mean, it is moving. Don't get me wrong. I but mean, yeah, it just and, and, and it gets to the point where Mel Gibson makes a widely released movie that makes a hundred million dollars. That is just like a man getting whipped for two hours. Exactly. Yeah. So you can understand his pain rather, rather like going through his pain is significantly less interesting than seeing the man as a human like that this movie tries to do exactly yeah uh to me anyway uh but 
I just, my only real thing I have to say this about this is this, uh, I've got a bone to pick with this, uh, this director, this, um, what, Marty. Oh, you know? Martin J. Scorsese. Uh, yeah. I, this guy, he's free. He, he thinks that he is free to go about, uh, making his own movies with his own superheroes who defy death and see visions and stuff. But, but I'm, but I am not allowed to, to go to the movie theater and see, and see my superheroes, my, my, my Doctor Stranges, my Iron Man's on the big screen. He wants me to be executed for seeing these films. Like, like this man is a total hypocrite. Hey, I, and that's, that's that's all I could see while watching this film. I'm sorry. I, I want to go back and and make that joke again that I think you talked over. It's like, hey, Martin Scorsese is wagging our fingers saying we shouldn't be watching uh, movies about the multiverse, but how dare he <laughs> when he made a movie about the multiverse <laughs> with Last Temptation of Christ? Uh, we see yeah, Jesus yeah, okay. in a in a in a other dimension. Uh, right. You know, uh, I mean. Do you know who I want to see in the Multiverse of Madness, Marcus? <laughs> the Jesus from Last Temptation of Christ in the final act. That's who I want to see. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Flying you. in on the cross. Flying in on the cross. <laughs> but, the, but the more weathered, like... <laughs> it's like <laughs> not... <laughs> Like, like like him right before he dies and the apostles come in and they go Jesus you fucked up and he's like oh man I want to see that Jesus in Multiverse of Madness <laughs> okay uh, I, uh, th- th- this film's uh, fantastic it's it is great. something I should have seen a long time ago um, uh, William Defoe is extremely good uh, I would say Harvey Keitel and Harry Dean Stanton I would not say they are as good Harvey Cantel is certainly trying. He does he does great shit. I'm not saying he doesn't. It's just like he's ah yeah, yeah I can't. He's Harvey Keitel. Like yeah, you can't you know, see him as anything else. Can I? And I it it kind of sticks out. Can I say uh, an interesting thing about watching Jesus Christ Superstar and this sort of like kind of close together was like seeing how in Jesus Christ Superstar like they don't lean into authenticity. Um, yeah. Like the opening of that movie begins with like these this cast of actors and filmmakers like driving a bus to this to like the on location sites, coming out, getting dressed, and like uh, doing their thing. Um, and then sort of Last Temptation of Christ also has sort of like a like break breaking the wall sort of moment in the beginning with this opening test text saying, Oh, by the way, we're basically saying we don't want to offend, but this is just based on like a fictionalized account and whatever, like sort of like, you know, saying uh, this is a movie, right? Um, Which this movie begins with that same thing. Yeah. No, I, Oh, that, that, that's why I said, yeah. Marcus, I said this movie. Also oh, does sorry. That I thought you thing. were, I thought you yeah. were saying that about yeah. superstar. Sorry. But yeah. yes, uh, Jesus Christ superstar does that by way of like that opening sequence of like them, you know, getting into character. Right, and then right, Last Temptation right, right. does that through text. So I understand. That, yeah. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but I guess my point is when uh, Harvey Keitel is playing um, Judas, yeah, he is Harvey Keitel. And I think there's that separation of like, let's just do this like shooting like a gangster movie, which I think works. <laughs> you know, not you know, they're not really going for again authenticity. They're just yeah. going for a Martin Scorsese Jesus Christ story, and I think that works. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. I, I I don't think it's a problem with the movie. It's no. just, it, it is something that sticks out like a sore thumb. And I, I, I have the same exact thing about Harry Dean Stanton. Him, I would say, I really did not like his performance, especially the end where uh, he's supposed to be, uh, he's preaching and uh, he's preaching Jesus' story or whatever. And Jesus is like, no, none of this is true. None of this happened. Stop. The way he talked, I didn't like it. I don't know. I, I would have. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, uh, you know, rest in hell. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, now that's, now that's no, blasphemous. No, no, that's no the I, worst take, thing I take it back. Podcast. You know what? No, I take that back. It was clearly a joke. But the only reason, but, but uh, while we're talking about Harry Dean Stanton, we have to talk about one of his final roles, of course. Uh, Marcelo. Well, not yet. We have to talk about Brazil. <laughs> I, are, are we really going to end with Twin Peaks? I, I didn't see that. Okay, so. fine. We'll go with Twin Peaks. Okay, well, okay. Oh, but we have to connect Last Temptation with Richard Kelly before we move on to Twin Peaks. Um, Last Temptation. Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't see it. I, I uh, okay. And I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call your bluff, Marcus. Donnie Darko is sort of a Christ story. <laughs> Southland Tales is sort of a Christ story. Okay. Remember last few episodes when we were saying we should have like a Jesus expert on now yeah, now i'm me. the jesus expert <laughs> now, now we're yeah, you 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 became that expert. <laughs> i became that expert in a I month find the person by listening to a podcast <laughs> and watching two jesus christ movies within like two weeks of each other so um i'll just say it's uh this doesn't uh maybe i'm with you this doesn't really shine any new light when it comes to the jesus christ imagery in southland tales I mean, uh, what? What? Uh, I guess Kelly didn't want to go straightforward and and like make uh, the Rock's character in Southland Tales a Jesus Christ figure by having him like be the leader of like a following or something because there's no connection there. I don't see him as a Messiah figure either. Like, uh, yeah. So no. there's the the there's like a there's not a big connection. I don't think. But yeah, it, it is really fucked up, and it's a really fucked up movie. Uh, so as is uh, the next movie we're going to talk <laughs> about, uh, Brazil, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, okay. nineteen eighty-five. Uh, I think I think that's right. I, I don't have my Brazil page open. Yeah. I just opened it. It is nineteen eighty-five. Um, okay, yeah. so this is the movie I finished uh, as we were recording earlier. Um, but I say finish, but I did watch it, but a different version of it. What? Uh, what? Yes, there's multiple cuts of this film. What I just say? learned about this. Okay, now when I told somebody who likes this movie that I watched this movie, he was like, "What's what cut did you watch?" And I said, "I didn't know." Who said that to you? That idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Let's 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 dive into Brazil. <laughs> um, first off, Terry Gilliam, I think in real life is an asshole. So just keep that in mind, folks. Um, yeah, Brazil, I haven't seen. In a while, I I, I kind of want to talk to you about this too. Like, uh, uh, forget the fact that Gilliam is kind of an asshole or is an asshole in real life. Uh, Marcus, uh, what do you think about Gilliam as a filmmaker overall? We, we just talked about uh, we talked about Twelve Monkeys an hour ago, but uh, how do you feel about him and his other films? Oddly enough, like he seems like a director who I should not have seen anything from. But oddly enough, I've seen most of his filmography. I was surprised to learn. Uh, Monty Python is a uh, and the Holy Grail is a classic. It's a funny movie. It's still funny. It's good. Um, 
I have not seen The Meaning of Life. I have no idea. I have not seen Time Bandits. Uh, Brazil, this was my first time seeing. 12 Monkeys I watched as a child, and I really dug 12 Monkeys as a kid. I thought it was like a really cool, freaky sci-fi movie. Uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, Fear and Loathing, I watched that as a kid. I've never liked it. I've watched it multiple times. Uh, <clears throat> I've never been able to get into it. I don't like the way it's shot. It's It just looks disgusting to me. Uh, the Brothers Grimm, uh, I thought that was like a horrible piece of shit when I saw it, <laughs> but I saw it when I was probably like 11 or 12. And The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus is very interesting, but I wouldn't say good. So overall, my impression of Terry Gilliam as a filmmaker is not very good. Like, <laughs> frankly, I, I don't care much. I, like, I, I'll, I'll give him Monty Python and I'll give him the idea of 12 Monkeys, but I don't I don't know if I would still think 12 Monkeys is great if I watched it again. This Brazil, man, I did not enjoy it one bit. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't I didn't expect that, Marcus. Yeah. Wow, okay. That's, I, yeah, I didn't either. That's didn't interesting. Because I'll say this. Um, I'm kind of with you there, buddy. Uh, because Are like, you? Looking through his filmography, uh, this is going to be controversial. This, this is going to be more controversial than my uh, uh, Jesus talk earlier, and it might be more controversial than your Heron Dean Stanton slander. But <laughs> I just don't vibe with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I don't know what it is. Sure. I Last time I saw it, I just well, could not get into it. I love Monty Python, the sketches. I, I one of my favorite sketches is uh, that one where they the parrot. Who can ever forget? I mean, yeah, sure, that one's funny. But the one I love the most, I always think <laughs> back on, is like the one where they're training with like a banana, like uh, for self defense. Like that's that's always been a funny one. Um, I had a I had a Monty Python album as a kid that I listened to a lot, and I really thought it was so funny the uh, the three Yorkshire men sketch or something where they're all like. Uh, increasingly saying how how worse how much worse their lives was lives were than the other two's uh, to the point where they're like wow we lived in a shoebox and <laughs> ate crusty dirt for dinner and we woke up and got beat for eight hours on our way to the sawmill <laughs> and worked for twenty seven hours at the sawmill it's this increasing ridiculousness of how of their lives it is funny uh, I, I thought it was a very very funny, funny album Monty Python they're a funny uh, comedy group. Except um, some of them are terrible. Uh, isn't who's who's a turf now? Uh, what's his name? Um, what's his name? I don't know. One of them is a turf. Anyway, look it up, folks. Uh, Gilliam's just, Gilliam's Gilliam kind of comes off to me. Like I, I don't necessarily know what he says said one hundred percent. I kind of tried looking into it and didn't find much other than like opining about cancel culture and shit like that. Which I mean, I, I don't know. John but, Cleese, but uh, John Cleese is a turf. John Cleese, yeah. yeah. Uh, but 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 but, but Gillian. Oh, he, yeah, let me finish. He kind of comes off to me like a less. Uh, just let me say my thoughts on <laughs> Gillian. <right? laughs> let me finish. Uh, he comes off to me like just as much of an asshole as Paul Schrader, but he's less uh, interesting and less charming, less I talented, think. and is and is less talented, less good of a filmmaker. I, I, I just to finish my uh, Gilliam thoughts. Uh, Time Bandits snooze no thank you um mm. I, I i own fisher king i have never seen fisher king i need to watch it it's on my shelf god damn it um eager to watch 12 monkeys uh I, because of like what i said i i i want to like it because it's been a while since i've seen it and last time i saw it, i liked it and i love bruce willis yeah. so 
Um, hope, hoping that holds up. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas does not hold up. I, I don't want to. Uh, I mean, I could see it again, but I, 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 I can't see it. I, I can't see there it being are enjoyable. Vi- there are very few movies underneath that one on the list of like movies I like that I want to watch. Like it is so far at the bottom of the list because there is just something so repelling to me about it. And I can't explain it. I think for me, Brazil is, is, is the best work I've seen of his. And, uh, I didn't love the movie, but I thought it was like, good. I was like, that, 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 it, I think it is what it, what everybody thinks it is. It's like a, it's like a, a, a take on 1984 and the, mm. you know, the, how fascism and capitalism, you know, go hand in hand. Uh, like the message I think is clear. Uh, the special effects I think work. Um, but it, it, on this viewing, it, it definitely, I liked it more. Cause I remember the first time I watched Brazil, I was like, no, thank mm. you. I, it was kind of also just like a snooze fest. Uh, but I, and, and I'll say this, maybe I have this reaction because I watched both cuts of the movie um, and I find it interesting uh, because of the story behind why there are two cuts. Um, so should I get into there's this now? Should, uh, wait, there's three cuts? I I, I I know there are two available on the Criterion disc. There's like a third TV cut that's like 90 minutes long or something. Oh, we'll get into it. I think I know which three cuts you're referring to. But, uh, yeah. I mean, what, what else can we say about it before? I, I do want to get into the different, different cuts, but what, <sighs> yeah, uh, okay, get, so get into why you didn't you're like the second, You're the second person that's told me that, like, my first time watching this, I didn't like it, and then I've watched it again and liked it more. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just came off very obviously like this is just, you know, 1984, but uh, absurdist. Uh, but to me, it wasn't absurdist enough. I didn't think anything was funny. I didn't think it's like take on uh, culture of like the beauty and uh, the culture of uh, uh, like rich people snobbery. I, I didn't think any of that was particularly interesting or well done. The fantasy imagery that it keeps coming back to, I didn't care about. I, I, I None of the characters were likable, which uh, is probably the point of the movie. I, I understand. That's not a fault of the movie, but I did not like it for... I still didn't like watching it for that reason. Like, I, Not even the main character could I have given a single shit about. Uh, I, I didn't care about his, his fantasies about wanting to be this hero, uh, even though he's like totally unwilling to fight back against uh, the machine in any sort of way. Uh so, I mean, they're, they're so far into the future that they kind of don't even really recognize that things are wrong. Like, it's just like, this is how things are, and we can make it marginally better. Uh, which is like, you know, how it, how it works now. Like, uh, things are so fucked up, but, like, all we can think of is... And all we can hope for, really, is marginal gains while things get dramatically worse in other areas. Uh, it's, it's, it's like brutalist architecture and stuff is just so punishing to look at. Uh, especially for like two and a half hours. Like nobody's likable. Everything sucks to look at. I don't, <laughs> I don't like it's escape. It, it, it's few moments of escape. They're so fleeting and dull. Like even his fantasy is dull. Like the bright white skies looked so, so muted to me in a way that I think was just poor filmmaking, a bad choice. 
uh, the, the, the heavens didn't look heavenly at all. Uh, the, the, I guess that's mainly it as didn't like the characters of the story or anything. It, it, they originally wanted to call this 1984 and a half. <laughs> and that's terrible. And yes, but I also think that's kind of a better name for the movie. Cause I think it would, uh, tell people, Hey, this is more of a comedy thing and don't, and it uh, maybe it, it's not a uh, serious masterpiece that everybody makes it out to be. I don't, uh, I, uh, and they couldn't call it that. The only reason they did not call it 1984 and a half is because somebody made the adaptation of 1984. Uh, of course. Like the year prior or something. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, Kim Grice character, I hated her. Like she was so fucking annoying and she didn't do anything. I didn't understand his obsession with her. She never had a payoff. Nobody had a payoff. Nothing. Nothing worked for me. Marcelo, tell me why I'm wrong. You're not wrong, okay? But like, I see this as like a sur- surface level, like good movie, where, like I said, okay. I I think you're right about it is. It is like depressing to look at. I don't really like any of these characters even like Jonathan Price uh, as the lead I don't like him no. at all um, I don't know but like it, it to me it does what it does well enough I think sure it's a classic I guess uh, because I think it, it I think it does achieve uh, what it wants to well like, I'm just giving it a passing score barely because like it, it's not compelling enough it's not. I mean, what what bothers me is like Robert De Niro's character. Um, the fact that what he's what the fuck's he even do? I know. Is he? Yeah. Ah, uh, that's a huge issue. It's like he's just there, but for like three scenes. And I don't know the the fact that it's like cameo. It feels like a cameo, but he feels like it. He feels like he's supposed to be a more crucial part of the movie, but exactly. he never is. Yeah, the, like you said. Like you said, there's no payoff. Um, no. Like there, there's, there's like nothing there. Because like what the, the the payoff to his character is like, and I forget if this is in the fantasy sequence or not. Like he gets like wrapped up in like paper, like like trash in on the street or something. I don't know. Again, uh, the most compelling thing to me is the ending. And but yeah. but 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 to I me, agree with that. but. The idea that he just uh, Shutter Island just gets yeah. lobotomized and it's, spoiler like, alert. I, I I like that. Yeah, I, like I, that. I think that works. But like also, and <clears throat> and this is uh, I, I guess now I should get into this. Like I watched an hour long documentary on the Criterion release talking about the behind the scenes trouble with this movie and the various cuts. Um, and I think the end for me works because I think I I did the homework and watched the behind the scenes stuff and watched the two cuts on the Criterion uh, collection disc. Um, so here's the story. So Terry Gilliam found his way uh, uh, into making Brazil by basically uh, saying no to the movie Enemy Mine. Uh, Marcus, do you know, have you, do you know anything about the movie Enemy Mine? No. Uh, it, it's a movie that I know of because they played it a lot, like on cable TV when I was growing up about, uh, I think Louis Gossett Jr. is in it, and uh, Marcus, do me a favor, look this up <laughs> as I, as I talk about Enemy Mine. But okay. an alien and a human are stranded on a planet, 
and they learn to live with each other, um, but they hate each other. And then, spoiler alert for Enemy Mine, um, the alien has the human's kids because I think that's how aliens uh, uh, work. They like yeah. it, it, it's a weird movie, but Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, Louis Gossett Jr. Squid. Yeah, there you go, Louis Gossett Jr. Dennis Quaid. Um, so that movie was a hot property, uh, and Steven Spielberg turned it down, and a lot of people in, in the Hollywood turned it down, and because Terry Gilliam turned it down. It's like it made it it, it it elevated his position in Hollywood by him turning down a hot property. So uh, this is a long way of saying because he turned down Enemy Mine, he had like a his stature grew and he was able to like uh, convince studio execs at Universal to make Brazil, um, which ended up being a mistake for them <laughs> because after uh, uh, Terry Gilliam made Brazil after after the movie was done. Um, Gilliam delivered uh, I think the original cuts his director's cut that's on the Criterion disc is 143 minutes uh, which is what 2 hours 23 minutes and Universal's contract said that the movie had to be uh, like either like 2 hours and 5 minutes or 2 hours and 15 minutes Um, it had to be shorter than what Gilliam delivered and then Gilliam was like no I'm not doing that uh, I'm. Uh, this is the movie that is already out because, like, he had a different uh, distribution deal with like international markets. So his director's cut was already out, in, you know, in Europe and like in other countries, um, it, unedited. But Universal here in the United States, they're like, no, it has to be shorter because, first off, it's a bummer. Uh, second off, we want more showings at night. We want a 7 p.m. show and like a 9:30 show. Because uh, if it's longer than that, that can't happen. Um, and the the head of the studio, Sid Scheinberg, I think that's his name. Um, the head of the studio of Universal basically got into a like a a full on like arguing match over like uh, not like face to face, but like through newspaper articles. Because um, like they like it, 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 like remember earlier like an hour ago, Marcus, when we were saying like, like what director had like the biggest fight with like a studio like this this may take the cake um because yeah, yeah it, it was sid scheinberg the universal chairman at the time like it got to a point where like sid scheinberg uh had his own editors like basically uh take you know footage from the film and make their own cut um as terry gilliam was like working on his like like uh, was working on his cuts and they were like they were just upset with each other Taylor Gilliam put out a he paid for a variety full page ad that basically said hey Sid Scheinberg yeah. where's Brazil um, and then Sid Scheinberg was doing interviews saying like oh Terry Gilliam doesn't know what he's talking about like he wants to rage war on me because at, at one point Terry <laughs> Gilliam is a madman uh, he's always been a madman and he said you know I'm going to fight for this, I'm going to rage war on Universal and Sid Scheinberg. Um, and so Terry Gilliam started illegally screening the longer cut of Brazil at like college campuses for the LA film critics. And lawyers tried to stop him, but they couldn't because I guess he was, he was like guerrilla screenings. And it got to a point where like 
he did this just for the just for the attention, just for the PR, because he knew that if he got like you know critics and other people on his side, that like Universal would have to release like the longer cut, and that's what happened. Like uh, the LA Film Critics Circle saw the longer cut, gave that like best film, um, and then like a week or two later, Sid Sheinberg said, you know what, fuck it, just just re- to just re- release a longer cut. Um, so they finally agreed to release a 132 minute version of the film. Um, which is that's those are the three cuts. So you have like the ninety minute Sid Sheinberg produced like a studio cut, which was not supervised by Gilliam, which is never released theatrically, but it was released like on uh, syndication, like on TV. And then you have the the one hundred thirty two minutes like Gilliam saying, "Fine, I'll make it shorter, but not that short." Cut that was released mm-hmm. theatrically, but then the official like director's cut is one hundred forty two minutes. That's what's on Criterion. So I saw yeah. the longer director's cut and the 90 minutes Sid Sheinberg uh, studio cut. And man, <laughs> it was an interesting watch because they they cut off the the ending where um, uh, what's his name Jonathan Price and the woman like he falls in love with. They end up uh, happy together alone in a shack. And that's where the movie ends. Like where, where it's supposed yeah, to where, yeah. I, I looked up that ending and it, it just, it felt like a total joke. Like it's, it's, it's kind of funny how uh, terrible it is. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because like that cuts the, the shorter cut used like alternate takes and was like bizarrely interesting to watch because like it kind of works as like a short, like, dumb sci-fi movie that's mm. that's kind of funny um and then watching the longer cut i appreciate the fact that like the ending is like you know much more violent than the 90 minute cuts it's longer uh it, it really kind of really tries to reel you in on this whole fantasy thing and then does the you know the bait and switch um uh, but yeah but it, it was interesting reading up on this watching the the documentary watching the two cuts and coming to the conclusion that yeah, I could see why Richard Kelly likes this movie. Um, the, the, that alone, the fact that you know there are so many cuts of Brazil, and there's like a fight between I don't know how far how uh, how far Kelly went into like fighting with like studio heads with Southland Tales, but the fact that there was this discussion about like oh what constitutes a good movie. And who's and and who's supposed to say what makes a good movie? Is it the director or like the people who are paying the director, like the studio, to make the movie? So, I find that the biggest connection between Brazil and like the work of Richard Kelly. Yeah, that that's that, that's all uh, very interesting. Uh, that 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 is a funny, uh, interesting story. Um, uh, my connection, I'll say to it, is like I mean, <laughs> this seems like very clearly like. Southland Tales has a lot of this movie in it. Uh, of all the movies we watched, this is the one that I saw the most direct comparison, most obvious comparisons of like, uh, you know, absurdist culture, uh, uh, futurism, uh, satirical futurism, um, fantasy se- uh, sequences kind of out of nowhere. Um, and a, a, a sort of, like, I mean, you could call it uh, you could call Southland Tales uh, very 1984e, but I think it's more likely that it's more Brazil-y, 
I I don't know. I, I feel like I, I, I just feel like Richard Kelly did, does more interesting things with his idea, but it's also significantly le- probably less probably less ambitious. Like he's not creating his entire new future world where everything's this gray mar- gray black slate. Um, yeah, you, you do you do kind of see it in like um, the USI den headquarters. Um, like the, yeah. the way they're dressed, the way that set is sure. like is like presented. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, for, uh, yeah the, the, I, the the ridiculous mixed with the serious. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 my I, my, I think another reason why I didn't like this movie, and this isn't quite fair, but like, I of all eras of filmmaking, the eighties is like the least interesting to me. I, I don't like the production i i like the production style and like the the sound and the way the music and stuff like it's the the decade i connect like probably the least to uh probably maybe besides the 1910s i don't know but but like uh there's something about the the production of music and how cameras looked at the time and they feel very devoid of life to me. And in Brazil's case, that works in its favor, I guess, uh, and this is what it's trying to do. But there's still just 80s filmmaking, man. I don't like it very much. And we've got three examples today and... <laughs> I, 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 uh, Evil Dead's great. Uh, I don't really see the bad things I see in 80s filmmaking in the Evil Dead, but I see it in Brazil and even in Last Temptation. Uh, it had that, that Peter Gabriel score, which is oh, brilliant yeah. at times, but at other times it's, it, it's a it, little like, it does show this its is age. only happening because this is being made in 1983 or whatever. You're right. Yeah. And like if it were made in the 90s, it would have had a, grunge score i don't know no but, uh, <laughs> i don't think that's the case i i <laughs> I, I i do think no you you make a good point about peter gabriel i don't i it, uh if scorsese made it in okay this this is actually um a good thing to think about if he had made it in the 70s i think like he wanted to or i, I don't actually don't know if he wanted to make it in the 70s let's just say if he made it in the 70s or if he made it in the 90s they would have had traditional movie scores. I think because it was yeah. made in the 80s and because of the cocaine consumed, I think that's why Peter Gabriel's on the soundtrack. So maybe it's the cocaine, Marcus. It's just the fact that there's just so much cocaine in the 80s that they... It absolutely works at points. Uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't, but there are other times where it doesn't. And then like that synthetic, dr- that synthetic drum style and shit like that, I just it feels so weird happening over a... Jesus story. I I, I get it. Jesus story. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, it's more of a personal preference thing. You know what? Uh, we saw all this, but as much as you hated Brazil, you do see the connection uh, from Brazil to Southland Tales. Uh, I'm with you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I can see why this is a favorite of his. Um, can't wait to talk to him about Brazil. Uh, I can't wait yeah. to bring up the fact that you hate the movie. Uh, when we talk to Richard Kelly, uh, that'll be a fun conversation. Uh, <laughs> um, anything else we want to say about Brazil? Oh, uh, oh, no. In the background, I've had Donnie Darko playing this entire time. The movie just ended. Oh. But uh, 
uh, I saw a little bit of Evil Dead, you could say. Oh. In, uh, the cabin in the woods that uh, Donnie and Gretchen go to. And uh, there's the the forestry in the, in the car. Do you know, do you know what's funny? Oh, Evil Deady? I've been playing the what? Evil Dead in the background as we've been recording, so... Weird. Oh Weird. man, I wonder yeah. how it's syn- synced up. We'll hear it on the recording. Yeah. Next episode, we'll do a simultaneous commentary for Donnie Darko and Evil Dead, all at the same time. <laughs> um, okay, so that was Brazil. Okay. Last thing we watched, Marcelo. I watched uh, it. <laughs> uh, find our segue from Brazil to this. Now, okay. I I realize uh, about thirty minutes ago you did want to do Twin Peaks and then Brazil, but here's my rationale for why I forced you to talk about. Twin Peaks at the end here with me. I'll just get to the chase. Uh, this was made in 2017. Like, what? Like, 10 years after? No, sorry. When was the box? Seven, uh, seven years seven after. Years after, after last yeah. thing released. Now, watching Twin Peaks. And then I did watch that part of the French video store video where Kelly talks about Twin Peaks at least. I watched that part of the video. To me, connected to the chase, I think Twin Peaks The Return is Richard Kelly's future. Uh, I think I think I think he uh, I don't know if the timeline syncs up, but I, th- I think this is how in my head this is how it went. Richard Kelly saw The Return, saw Twin Peaks Season 3. He said, you know what? I'm going to do the exact same thing. Because I think ever since then, he's been wanting to make his Southland Tales uh, prequel or whatever it is uh, thing into a TV show, right? Or something, not just a movie. I think he said that a few times. So you can corroborate this, Marcus, or not. You can tell me I'm stupid. But I just think, like, if he had the money, if 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 a network, if a studio said, you know what, Kelly, do it. Here it is. I think Southland Tales, the TV show, would not necessarily look and feel a lot like Twin Peaks, but I think that would be like whatever it is Twin Peaks accomplish, accomplishes, well, accomplished, sorry, whatever Twin Peaks The Return accomplished, I think is what Richard Kelly wants to accomplish as like a filmmaker and storyteller. So that's my big takeaway from watching Twin Peaks The Return, Marcus. No, How do you feel about that? That's. That's very cool, Marcelo. Um, yeah. I like that idea. I, I, I know he was talking about wanting to kind of do more Southland Tales before the return happened. I know factually he has he did. Well fine. But well, fuck you then. I can see Southland or I can see um that that project uh, like revving him up and ser- like inspiring the shit out of him to try to like like the, it seems like an impossibility that Twin Peaks season three exists, and it seems like an even greater impossibility that it is what it is, which is uh, you know this crazy avant garde eighteen hour long movie, and uh, I absolutely could see Richard Kelly doing something like that. I could see the Southland Tales TV show being being this. I could see. I like what you're putting down there. Yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. I, I know um, you didn't have a chance to see any of this. Uh, for this no, episode. I didn't get to watch any of it beforehand. But be- before we did this episode, I didn't but, get to. I, I watched it all. Yeah. 
uh, as it was airing live. That's the last time I've seen. Oh, and by the way, I, I just looked at the date. Um, I, I, I need to figure out when we're going to release this episode, but uh, the fifth anniversary of Twin Peaks The Return is May 21st, 2017. Sorry, it, that's bonkers. Yeah, bro. so May twenty first. It's it's yeah, is the fifth anniversary. Five year was, anniversary of uh, perhaps the best thing ever made, yeah. the best piece of art ever made. So so this episode uh, might drop around uh, May twenty first. Uh, I'll make sure of that. But uh, but yeah, I I I watched the entire thing over the course of about three four days. I think um, this past week. And I was like, okay, I'll come into it just, um, I'll watch like the first two episodes. And then I was like, okay, I'll watch the next four. But, and then it just, it just, it just snowballed after that uh, and ended up watching the whole thing. Um, I mean, okay, let me, let, let me ask you, Marcus, um, talk about, uh, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to make you talk about your love of Twin Peaks and David Lynch. Do it. I love him. Uh, David Lynch, uh, perhaps my favorite filmmaker. Uh, not the most exciting answer for somebody to say, to say to that question, but can't deny the truth. Uh, the man, he has never made anything less than extremely compelling to me. I have not watched all of his movies because I enjoy the fact that they are still out there for me. I'm so excited about this Inland Empire 4K restoration criterion release. Uh, I, I am beyond elated about it. And then I'm sure they'll do Lost Highway somewhere down the line. I mean, hopefully. Uh, we've talked about this on the show. Richard Kelly is excited about that Inland Empire uh, yeah, restoration. Yeah. Yeah. Because the man knows good stuff and, what he, and, and he knows good uh, art. And David Lynch makes good art. Uh, he is a one-of-a-kind filmmaker. He, is, uh, he has his own, his own voice, his own true, truly different way of thinking which there are barely any other directors I could say that about, uh, where they just feel like they are a different, they are a one in a billion human and they just happen to make movies and to, and, to, and show you that. And the Twin Peaks in particular, it's my favorite thing he's made, uh, the, the, the return, uh, best thing to ever best TV show ever made. Probably the best, yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't need to use hyperbole. It's, it's an incredible it just is a beautiful work of art and uh, it's it's 18 hours of just of of everything of of of, of beauty of, of fear of uh drama suspense comedy uh musical performances yeah <laughs> special yeah. guest stars like it's it's really it's it's got it all it it, it is what it's uh, an incredible thing i'm glad i'm so glad it exists i'm glad i got to watch it uh, live, like during my life, like it happened during my lifetime at a time when I cared and I got to watch it uh, week after week on Showtime with everybody else and have those conversations. Like I, I remember those conversations in the TFS Slack. And yeah, I, I love them. Yeah. Uh, that was a great, 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 great time to be alive. I want to echo that because I, as I was rewatching the series, uh, which I, I'll just quickly say. I, I I just uh, I went along with a joke because I think it's a joke at this point whether Twin Peaks: The Return, aka Season Three, is a movie or not. I think yeah, it, I, I, that shit. I think it's whatever. It's not, a movie. <laughs> it's not a fucking movie. Shut up. It's a TV show. It just happens to be shot in a very movie-like way. I I I I wrote a long post 
uh, on it on my Instagram, on Letterboxd, basically saying it's a movie. But really, I also said, I also said, listen, Marcus, fine, it's a listen, movie. Then listen. it's a movie. I don't care. <laughs> this is the most no. boring conversation no. you could possibly ever have. I just want to wrap it up here. I want to wrap it up with a bow. I, I also said. I also don't care if it's a movie or not. Whatever it is, it's a, it's it's a piece of art. Okay, I think you can, you it, yes. It it's like you, a, you hang this on the wall along the Monets. Exactly. Yeah. And it fits right in. Next, uh, it, it can be whatever wants uh, whatever you want it to be. It can be that. Uh, it's a movie. It's a TV series. It's a work of art. It's everything. Whatever it is. It's amazing. I thinking back to when like it was airing live five years ago now. Um, yeah, I I still remember like uh, one of our writers, uh, Andrew uh, Isla, was like writing the week to week recaps yeah. for the show, and I would get them like you know either Sunday night or early Monday morning, and like edit them and like you know get get the get the pictures from the episode, post them on the uh, on the websites with like the review. Uh, those were those were a joy to read through and a joy to edit and a joy to publish, and yeah, I'm with you. Like having those conversations, like what was happening and like the reactions, especially after part eight, which that night I'll never forget um, because that night I went to go see like Baby Driver, like in a theater back when Baby Driver was great. <laughs> now not so much, but I saw it in a theater. Uh, was- I'm on team. It was never great. <laughs> I, listen, I liked it a lot. Okay, I, I did. I had not liked it since the beginning, and I was I was so hyped for that movie. I went to it like opening day. I was so excited. Most I have ever been let down by anything. <laughs> listen, I liked it. It was fine. Not anymore. It really, turns out I'm totally vindicated. <laughs> I come off scot free with that opinion. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I was I was I, I was hyped after seeing that movie that night, but then I came home like after part eight had aired already and i i looked at the reactions saying like holy shit like that yeah, part eight amazing i go well, yeah. we'll see i was blown i i i was i was whatever. i was blown away <laughs> what, what do you mean whatever no yeah sure what sure the, sure yeah the, this david lynch guy he did he did again sure whatever <laughs> all right let me just turn it on and see for myself <laughs> I say that only to say, like, sure, like, how, like, <laughs> talk about hyperbole, like, like, I, I, how, like, how great can a TV episode be, I wondered, and then I was proven wrong. It was, I think it's still maybe the most compelling piece of TV, like, created, certainly in the last, like, ten Yeah years like maybe episodes of the soprano come close um or mad men mad men episodes, sure but what? there's like it, there, there, there's like two episodes of breaking bad that maybe i'd put up there but i i think part eight is great <laughs> uh part eight is great part yeah. eight is great that's what that's 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 that that's what i want to and put out there and for me the one that sticks out the most is i i will never ever 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 forget like maybe the most pure reaction I have ever had to anything I've ever watched where I just fully was so engrossed by it. And so like, Oh my God, this is happening. And like, 
literally like jumped up and screamed like, Oh, this is going to, is this really what they're about to do is the, the end of part 17. Oh yeah. Uh, where Cooper goes through and grabs, uh, it's just, I, I had the most visceral real reaction to it where I was just totally, I was not myself in that moment. I was like, just, reacting to the content in a way that I'm usually a pretty reserved person. Uh, I know I, I try to play a character on the show where I'm not, <laughs> but I am a pretty reserved and quiet person in real life. And, uh, I don't usually react. Marcus, you play a character on the show. Extremely. Uh, yeah, I have to, or I would not be able to do it. <laughs> so the, but my, 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 I just, whatever. Chapter 17 is my, my personal favorite episode. My personal favorite episode of TV ever. Uh, the ending is so insanely beautiful to me. And then 18 caps it off with uh, more of that wonderful mystery, the reason why you like Twin Peaks, or why you should like Twin Peaks. I Yeah, those last two parts, I remember vividly watching that, because they aired those together, right? The last two parts, I think? Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, I... I, I Watching when he when he when he grabs her hand and like you realize what's happening, what he is doing is he's going into the past and I, I I I was crying, I was like yelling, like it was so much, it was just so so much. By the way, spoilers yeah, for sorry. Twin Peaks season three, um, I, uh, guys, <laughs> guys, spoilers. Uh, you cannot listen to this. If you have listened show. to twenty three hours of. 24, 25 hours of podcasts about Southland Tales, and you have not all, and, and you have not seen uh, uh, Twin Peaks. I'm sorry. Yeah, like that. That is something you should do instead of listening to this. Let me let me go back and be uh, more sincere uh, about Twin Peaks because I, I going along those lines of uh, being just so like in trance like being viscerally like excited or like emotionally engaged with it like i felt that in the last hour as the the episode was ending uh, like i knew this was it like there was at that point there was yeah. a question about whether it'd be back for another season or whatever yeah. but the ending of that that will always stick with me like looking, that last hour is like the most haunting yeah. shit ever. The last, and the way it ends, la, oh the last God. two minutes of it, even were minutes, like ten seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then the 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 scream, you know, the cut to credits, like that that like feeling of like what just happened, and also like wow, David Lynch just pulled the rug out of you know out from under us, and. And and like uh, hey, he's a, he's a trickster, David Lynch. Okay, uh, the happy ending was right there. the the nice The nice little bow tie everything up was right there, and you don't take it, and that's what makes you great. Exactly, and I, I loved it because like, uh, episode seventeen, chapter seventeen, uh, like there was a point where yeah, it, it felt like oh, this is like a nice happy ending to these uh, to this like uh, to these characters to this series. And then yeah, it just gets it. It just fucks you up because, like, just okay. My interpretation of it was like going back to that fantastic uh, moment where uh, David Lynch 
in character as like who is he uh gordon right um yeah gordon cole talk yeah gordon cole talks about his dream with uh monica bellucci and like uh yeah. and who's the dreamer um it's like that plays a a a, 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 a like, that stuck in my head as I was rewatching the last two episodes, 17 and 18, to a point where I don't even want to talk about it because it'll just mess me up talking about it. But the 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 way it remains so like out of my reach to explain what happens while also like having my own interpretation that really fucks me up. <laughs> it's like that's what I, Dave Lynch yeah. is. And my 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 uh, my read is like tie it back to part eight uh the the birth of judy the birth of the atomic bomb the the most evil thing that humanity has ever produced uh, uh it's it's like something we can't ever come back from uh cooper <clears throat> even the most pure soul in this world uh dale cooper cannot go back in time and change the the sins of the past uh yeah yeah uh, 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 yeah it's it's uh, uh, it, it is so insanely multi-layered stuff that that the the, uh, the world that uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost created I don't think it is something we'll ever see the likes of again and yeah. uh, I'm I'm blessed to have seen it and I uh, uh, cherish it for all time yeah and I know we can talk on and on about this but I'll just keep talking about it um, I also say like if uh, you know God forbid if this is like the last thing he does which he has every right to just like just not do anything else at this point. David Lynch, yeah. he can just like do just his weather reports. Your shit. Yeah, do his weather reports. We get to eight K, do your eight K remaster of him. <laughs> do that, yeah. Do that every ten years. Yeah, you fine. know, the the, the uh, one of the happiest moments in my life was just a few weeks ago when we all thought he had a new movie at oh, cons. My God, dude! <laughs> it's like that would have been great, but that didn't happen. Whatever. Again, he can do whatever he wants. But if Twin Peaks ends up being like his final thing, um, it's a perfect it's it's a perfect encapsulation of like everything he's done before. It touches new ground, um, while also like just making me think of like everything, like Straight Story, Lost Highway, Eraserhead, and then the fact that like Laura Dern, Nor- uh, Naomi Watts, like Harry Dean Stanton, they're like huge parts of this. It just feels so personal. Uh, uh, to Lynch, while also just being a fantastic continuation of like the story that you know Frost and Lynch, you know, started twenty five. Well, I guess more than twenty four years ago now. But yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, again, we could keep talking about this on and on, but we have to end this episode at one point. Um, any last words, Marcus, on Twin Peaks before we close out this? Uh, we've watched some incredible stuff for this episode. Uh... Marcel, you made me excited about the future of Richard Kelly uh, once again, that he could perhaps make something like The Return. If there's anybody capable of it, it's him. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we have done an okay job of uh, showing a little bit of Richard Kelly's influences. I think we can do an even better job in the future by talking about even more stuff. We will do at least a second episode of this future TBD, but we can guarantee one more of these. Uh, will it be our next episode? Will it be in the future? Uh, we don't know that yet. I'm still in the process of uh, trying to make those last three episodes of this as good as they can possibly be. Our last episode will be incredible. I can tell you that now with certainty. 
exactly. Uh, you know, episode ten and eleven, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, anyway, uh, great movies, uh, great time. Uh, uh, all three of them are my top three films ever made now, <laughs> and uh, my favorite TV show ever made. So um, I'm glad. Now, all four of them are my favorite films ever made because uh, one of them is a film. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, I'm glad we did this. I want to do it again soon, Marcelo. We have to stop it now, though. I'm tired. <laughs> you yeah. got a big day tomorrow. We can stop this, it as soon as you end. stop talking. <laughs> this has to end, Marcelo. I don't know why you keep making this go on longer and longer and longer and dragging things out. I, I Yes, I get it. We love Richard Kelly. We love the man. We know that he had inspirations uh, from certain points of his life. Uh, certain things he saw reflect. Uh, they say that uh, good uh, good artists uh, take and bad art or great artists steal. I don't know. <laughs> what? what are you saying? What's going on? Are you, stop and talking. Richard Kelly has still has stolen from the greats and made some of the most impactful work of the 21st century and i think we we see why we will okay back at okay its influences okay and i love you all <laughs> all right i i i i just realized like uh i i don't know what i'm gonna title this because like if we if, if we were to say richard kelly influences it's like how much really did evil dead influence him or or or, <laughs> or last temptation like we could definitely uh, say Brazil, and and to a how, point, how Twin much Peaks. did Twin Peaks: The Return, something that came out seven <laughs> years after the last project he has he has made, how much did that influence? So what do we do here? What did we do? <laughs> we talked about films. we talked about we talked about films that relate to things yeah. that relate to Richard Kelly. The film, but that that's the title of the show of the episode: the films that relate to Richard Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Kelly's faves. Fine, it's Kelly's favorites. Kelly's faves and inspirations. There we go. Yeah, I think but you, you put them both in there, and or <laughs> Kelly's Kelly's faves and or inspirations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this was great. Uh, follow Gunk Blader on Twitter at g u n k b l a d e r. patreoncom slash Society um, at J Marcelo Pico. <laughs> uh, I think I think I think uh, since uh, I'm gonna corner you, cor- corner you right here right now, Marcus. You cornhole me. <laughs> I've got to corner you uh, and say our next commentary on our Patreon should be Twin Peaks: The Return. Okay. The entire 18 part series. <laughs> hey, look! Well, I thought we were gonna do all of Succession, and it didn't happen. I think we could do all of Twin Peaks. We- Honestly, eventually we, over time, we could once, do. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it off two at a time. This is not on mic conversation. No, no, no. Uh, love you guys. Um, <laughs> and now for our famous uh, last words. As we always say, hey, have, have a, a nice, nice apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah.